Guys, I'm Matthew Ma. Welcome to the Truth About Real Estate podcast. And today we are talking with Property Escape co-founders Isaiah and Billy. Isaiah is a first-generation immigrant who came to the U.S. looking for a better quality of life. And Billy served in the United States Army for six years prior to becoming an agent. They are both now experienced agents in Los Angeles and experts in flipping houses. Excited to talk to you guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hey, Matt, thank you for having us, man. Cool. So yeah, we're just talking at first. You guys are located in Los Angeles. You know, that's definitely a great area, a high priced yeah. area too. And, you know, you guys have been doing it for a couple of years now and, you know, you started uh, fixing and flipping houses. So before we even get started with that, how did you guys get into real estate? Yeah. So basically I was working drafting for plans before doing real estate and I've always kind of liked the, the what real estate can bring to your life, you know, that, that freedom. So I kind of started about two years ago. I met a mentor here in L.A. that had been doing it for a while now. And he kind of, you know, jumped us into the business, trying to explain everything. And, and, and just everything makes sense with the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to create for myself. So that's kind of how I jumped in. Also, you know, became an agent myself just to kind of learn a little bit more about the, the business itself. So that's kind of how I got started. Yeah. And then um, kind of similar to Isaiah, I was working a, a nine to five with a, a corporate gig um, and had two small children and needed something with a little more flexibility. Um, so decided to make the jump and uh got my real estate license and then kind of transitioned into more of the fix and flip side of things. Once I started working with, uh, some, some fix and flip buyers started representing them on some, some fixers and then kind of learned that side of things and then kind of transitioned from the re the retail side into more of the fix and flip side of things. Nice. And that's a, definitely a big change. A couple of things is like, you know, first you come from a corporate background, you go into real estate, you know, that corporate shift to like entrepreneurial shift is a big change. And then to go to fix and flips as well, rather than the sales side, going to more fix and flips, you know, a different part of it as well. And, you know, real estate related, it's a lot of fun, a lot of risk and a lot of reward too, right? It is. It's part of the fun part of the job. I mean, in corporate jobs, you kind of know what to expect every day. Yeah. You know what time you're going to start, you know what time you're going to leave. <laughs> You know everything that's going to pretty much happen throughout the day and then our field i mean it's super exciting you could wake up and and, and get a really good deal and you know be off and running um and it, it's just kind of the unknowns and it makes it really exciting that is a second part too and then what do you think too like for example when you come from corporate and you go to like your own entrepreneurial ship the mentality the the motivation everything's different right like you have to be self-motivated you have to start yeah. building every day you're broke again you're starting over every single right. day and then you know working I, towards getting paid right exactly and for me it, it it does motivate me that even if i'm having a lot of success in the back of my mind i'm like i gotta keep going because it's all it's all on us you know yeah. there's somebody that's gonna yeah. you know pay our bills for us <laughs> And it's also kind of hard because on the, in the corporate job, you kind of have a schedule of what you're going to do every day. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have a boss that makes sure that you're on track and all that good stuff. But in, in real estate, being an entrepreneur, you really don't have anybody telling you what to do. So you, you just need to create your own schedule, see what works for you best. And that's actually part of why we like being in real estate because you can just do whatever you want but right. you also have to keep in mind your your goals and all that and make sure that you're on track 
And a part of that is, yeah, being, you know, holding yourself accountable, working with good partners, working with good mentors, and really building a trackable business that's, you know, scalable, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you talk about this too, like you guys um, became, you guys had mentors, you guys became agents, and then you guys started doing more of the fix and flips. Why in the first place even become agents? I mean, I think it's kind of like a good start. Uh, I know there's a lot of controversies with people that want to flip houses, they don't want to become agents, but I think it's a kind of a good start because you actually learn about how to even sell a house or how to even buy a house. You learn what a contract is. You learn a lot of the, the language in real estate. Uh, you also surround yourself with a lot of people. You represent buyers, so you see how they're doing the fix and flip side without you even putting any risk into the deal. So it's kind of like a good way of uh, still making money in real estate, but not really having the risk of flipping houses, but also being on the sidelines learning about all, everything that your buyers are doing, basically. Yeah, I think there's a fun part of, to this too. Like I've been in real estate for over 14 years now and I've been an investor in single family, multifamily, fix and flips and um, out of state multifamily. But then I, I kind of think about this and I talk about this too. Like, for example, when you're doing real estate sales, you can do quite a bit of transactions. You can make really good money really quickly. When you start jumping into fix and flips, like you're buying property, you're using cash or you're using other people's money. Yeah. And then when you're doing that, you're taking risk and timing involved and you're reselling it. But at the same time, you're still paying huge gains um, on the fix and flips if it's less than you know certain, a certain time period, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, wh which is better? They're, they're not, they're different, right? They're, they're just different, uh, I would say, because, I mean, you can flip a lot of houses and you can sell a lot, a lot of houses too, but it all depends on the person, you know, like some people might be more inclined to just trying to sell houses and, and get leads, listings and all that good stuff. And they might just like that. And they don't like the part of having to fix a house and then dealing with all the contractor pains and all that good stuff. But you know, it just depends whether you like it or not. We just we just love the the, the game yeah. of being in, in in those stressful situations with the contractors, uh, putting that risk, but having a good reward at the right. end of the day. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a different part of it. I actually enjoy all, all different parts of the real estate, and it's a lot of fun. And you get a lot of experiences, especially like from the sales side. I get to sell a lot of houses. I see how they do things, the quality materials, the timelines, the issues they run into. And when you start doing your own fix and flips, then you start seeing your issues, your times, things you run into, and then you start readjusting for it. And as you keep going throughout the years, you learn more and more. But at the same time, every day is a new challenge because every property is different. You don't know who built the last how, person who touched the house. They may have done something that's not standard you open walls up and you start seeing wow what happened here <laughs> exactly yeah well yeah. a good part of also being an agent first i think it's uh building that skill of finding deals so yes. when you're an agent you have to go and look for the listings you know and that's how you're gonna make money you're also gonna sell houses but you also want to focus on getting listings and that's a skill that you can translate to being an investor which is finding deals you know you want to be directly to the seller. You don't want to shop deals on the MLS because at the end of the day, it's just very competitive. Uh, so you want to have that skill of going directly to a seller, having a conversation, uh, negotiating a deal. And that's, I think, part of why being an agent first helps you then being an investor. 
Yeah, I think you learn you learn a lot from that, especially the hunting part of it and finding the deals and putting it together. That's the fun part, and especially for you guys too. Like when you can do your own sales, or you can work with investors and then you know work on these properties and you know especially the dumps ones that you really need to do a lot of work. It's not really going to be sellable. Then those right. are great opportunities to make too. And being firsthand, you get to see things first before others, and because you're already doing the work and you're. If they want to sell on market, then great, you got a listing. If they want to fix and flip and just sell it to you, then you have that as well. So you're creating multiple options. That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. I think those options are what's key for us in this market mm -hmm. because when we get a lead, you know, we have multiple options to present, and more than likely one of them is going to fit their criteria. Yeah, one exactly. So either selling on the market for top dollar, we can help them on that because we have a license to do that. But also, if they just want a quick sell, we can also buy it ourselves for cash. Uh, so there's multiple options for them when it comes to selling their house. Yeah, that gives it a great opportunity because you're as a as an agent, you're fiduciary duty. You're trying to give you're presenting different options. Yeah, you want quick cash? Here's this. Here's what's going to happen if you want to sell it on market. Here's what you need to do. You need to front the money, remodel if you want to sell for top dollar, and then we can do that too. So that's nice yeah. that you can have yeah. that op option for them. Yeah. And so, part of that is just presenting everything, you know, not trying to push for the cash sale just because you want another deal. Yeah. Just presenting both options equally, uh, presenting the pros and cons of each and just let them make that decision, not trying to push for anything. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's really good of you guys to do that. And then, yeah, people, some people need that too, especially I see some like really bad houses here, like, wow, great location, everything, but you haven't fixed this for 50 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did you guys even meet and get started to, to working together? Um, we we kind of worked under the same mentor, um, yeah, being agents, and then kind of he transitioned us and taught us a little bit about the investor side of things and the fix and flip side of things. So that's kind of kind of how we met was through through this mutual uh, mentor. Yeah, yeah, we're we're just kind of like a good match. We always, even though we weren't working as as a partnership before. We were also just trying to do things together right. and we kind of had the same mentality, same goals in mind. We're kind of going in the same trajectory. So it just kind of made sense for us to, to start doing our own thing right. as partners. Nice. Isn't it really hard to find partners? And it, once you find the great partner who matches you really well and can push each other to do better, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more fun, right? Right. <laughs> and being like-minded, like, like yeah. you said, you know, we, we get along well, we have similar goals. Um, similar work ethic so it really just it really just kind of clicked yeah yeah and also the personal level just like also being friends helps mm -hmm. because we have a lot of things in common that you know it's not work all the time we also go yeah. and ride bikes together nice. we go on trips so it's, it's it's also fun the part of doing business you know you have to make it fun yeah, yeah. So does your wives and girlfriends say, hey, you're always hanging out with, with each other. How about us? <laughs> uh, we do get that uh, occasionally. When there's one too many Vegas trips, we definitely <laughs> hear about that. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. Though. That's, that's a great thing, though, because then it's, sure they love that, too, because when you guys get along really well together and you have fun and you guys make good money and you help each other and help the families. That does, that does so, soften it when, when we're doing good business-wise. Yeah. yeah, the trips aren't quite they don't hurt as much <laughs> yeah hey i gotta go to a conference over there you know i gotta right. meet some investors over there i gotta network find some off-market deals it's, it's only a couple hours away it's not that far yeah, yeah exactly exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's the good stuff nice so you guys when did you guys start working together how many years ago was um, that? Well, two years two years ago two years yeah. Ago, yeah yeah about two years ago 
Nice. I'm, I'm glad two years is a good mark too. It's like your honeymoon. You guys got together right. working on it and you started doing a lot of deals and you guys learned to communicate well with each other. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, we, we started working as partners two years ago, but before that we already knew each other as well. So that was kind nice. of nice. Do you guys do like the real estate sales as well as together, as well as the fix and flips together? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much your business model, uh, is what we were talking about before. Um, on our on our company Propertyscape, uh, we just kind of offer those options to the sellers that come in trying to sell their house. Um, so when we try to s just sell houses, if they just want to lease their house on the MLS, we, you know, we do it together as partners. But if if they want more of the quick cash option, uh, we also do it as partners. Uh, so we that's kind of like the whole business model that that we provide sellers with the options of either listing their house on the market or just for a quick cash sale, no commission, no mm -hmm. nothing. Nice. That's actually a good option too, because when you guys have property escape and you created your company, the ability to sell real estate for them and the option to do quick cash buys, then what happens is that you're finding a lot of opportunities because you're creating inbound marketing and then people are coming out to you to see you're meeting people as well. And then you're, by having this all in your company, the website and information, it makes it easy for them to understand, hey, I have multiple options with these guys. I can work with them. I can choose it and they can give me different valuations on what I want to do and my ability to do and the timing. Um, it makes sense. And that's nice because most real estate agents don't have the ability to say, hey, if you don't want to sell on market, I can have someone instantly you know, buy it from you. We can buy it from you, right? Exactly. exactly. Right. Especially when you have... Sellers at the beginning usually don't really know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So when they come in, they might be coming in looking for a cash offer, but then they realize later in the process that that's actually not going to be a fit for them. They'd rather just put it on the market for top dollar. So, you know, when, when they come in looking for a cash offer and you just give it to them, uh, they're like, oh, no, that's too low. And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. But when you tell them, hey, here's the cash offer, but here's another option that, you know, just presenting and just putting it on the table just to see what you think, uh, that gives them, you know, that opens their mind to other possibilities that could work for them. Nice. And then when you talk to sellers about cash offers, do they often compare it to like Zillow, OfferPad, or any other platform or like OfferExpress? I think say, hey, so. How's that yeah. We usually, when when someone contacts us, they've usually also contacted a few others, like you mentioned, Open Door, mm -hmm. Zillow, Redfin. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they're usually cross shopping multiple platforms. Um, but I will say that we're we're very competitive with with those, um, and sometimes can even beat those yeah those yeah. offers because they're dealing in more more volume, and they may be yeah. trying to hit them a little lower. Yeah, you know, and especially when you explain that those Zillow Redfin offers actually involve a lot of cost. They do. Commissions. There's a lot behind the scenes. Uh, they they just kind of give you a number, but then you don't realize that there's actually a lot of cost that mm -hmm. includes that. So when we present the offer, we you know we we break down the cost and we tell them, hey, this is what you're gonna net from the sale if we right. offer you this much. Uh, which is something that no other, no, I don't, I don't think Seal or Redfin even does. Yeah, I don't think it's as clear as it should be upfront. I get, I get it. You know, for for their 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 own company, but yeah, you're right. Where when you start putting um, cash offers on the table and people really need to be educated to see what's the final net number I would get. And then how does that compare to other platforms? And then by you guys doing it and being transparent and showing it up front, here's the option for our cash offer with all the fees yeah. included. Here's the option for selling as a listing. 
in the current condition or if you want to work with us to fix and flip it uh, as a seller, you know, and help you renovate it and then put it on the market for top dollar, here's the option. But each one has its own timeline, each its own risk. But by being transparent about it, it gives you more opportunity and it gives you better connections to the sellers. I'm sure they can give you a lot of referrals for that too because you just created better options for them. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's correct. And we nice. kind of we kind of saw a lack of of this type of option for for homeowners, and that's mm -hmm. kind of why we founded the company. Yeah, it's just just because it's 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 either usually one or the other. It's like, do you want to list it, or you have people that are willing to buy it for cash, but not too many are willing to do both. <laughs> exactly, and that's kind of cool. That way, I can just look online and say, "Hey, I, my house is crap." For example, I need to fix all this stuff. I don't. I'm not exactly. going to do it. So here's the opportunity. So that means more people are searching for you out there probably you know and saying hey here's what here's my situation right or yeah, i want quick cash people. now I'm, I'm moving out of state so exactly like you just said we get people that inherited a house that you know just don't want to deal with the repairs they just want it gone we get uh people that are out of state they own it as a rental and maybe the tenant trashed the house and they don't want to deal with doing the repairs to re-rent it or we get people that like isaiah said where you know maybe they think they want a cash offer but then it's not enough money for them so then they we pitch the the listing side of things so there's just nice. a lot of different situations that can come up when you're trying to sell a house so let's say for example i'm, I'm interested in selling the house right now i, I want cash i want out right now I, I need to go so how does that work with you guys and like what's the timeline what's the process and then you know how does what happens after that it's pretty quick usually we just when we get a lead uh or you know, as a, a lead form on the website or a call, we just kind of first go on a five to 10 minute conversation with them, uh, just trying to get a little bit more information on the primarily the condition of the house, but also the reasoning of wanting to sell, because that could tell us, hey, they really want one out, they need a cash offer, or hey, you know, they don't have pressure and they might just want top dollar. They might just want the listing. So it's pretty much a 10 minute conversation that we just go over uh, the process, what we uh, what we do, and also their information and all that good stuff. And then from there, we just do some research on the property and we schedule a walkthrough of the house. Um, and during the walkthrough is when we go more in deep on their, you know, their reasoning for selling, what they want, um, if they have a ballpark number that they're looking to get, and then we also estimate the rehab costs. Some properties they think, oh, my property is really bad. But when we go there, it's, oh, this property is super clean. <laughs> this doesn't need anything, right? Um, so then after the walkthrough, uh, we go to the office, we go back, we run the numbers, and then we prepare the two options. And, and you know, we kind of say, hey, this is what we think. It's going to be a best fit for you, but this is, you know, something else that you might want to consider. Uh, but usually after the walkthrough, within an hour we have an offer for them nice. uh, some other people just want to know a number right there and we might just do it over the phone in that first conversation uh, but usually that those steps are what's required to get an offer uh, but some people might just want an offer just because they're shopping trying to see what their house is worth yeah <laughs> of course everyone wants instant gratification right show me my number oh yeah i don't like it yeah, Never mind. Never yeah, mind. yeah. yeah. exactly yeah so like, i haven't like, seen the house yet how can i give you a good number if i haven't even seen exactly. it yeah some people you know that they're just curious to see what their house is worth yeah and those are people that you just put in your crm to follow because they they know they're thinking on selling they're just not ready yet 
Exactly. And that's a good thing too. Like you guys have a really good funnel and lead inbound leads. So you can really filter this out and really just understand what their goals are, the timeline. And yeah, even if they're not ready today, they're thinking about it. So when they're ready, they'll be ready and they'll call you. So that's a exactly. great thing about that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So let's say how many properties do you guys um, usually buy per month? So we probably convert about like five leads, five to six yeah. leads a month. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's quite a bit. That's a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um like i said we don't buy all of them but we we do different strategies with those right nice and let's say when you guys um buy a home um how quick is your team to actually flip it it usually depends on the size of the project some homes need a lot of work it might take six months but i'd say between three to six months um if it's a really cosmetic fixer that you know we just buy it at a good price and just needs some cosmetic paint flooring whatever we'll yeah. jump but I would say like usually ranges between three and six months. Yeah. And you know, right. Even right now, like in this market that's changing, it's tough. Like, because when you're buying it now, you got to price it right now. And then you got to make sure you have your crew already. And then knowing what the market will be in three to six months is a little hard to tell, but of course you put a certain percentage gauge on it. So no matter what your risk is, you'll hopefully make it out by the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, market's hot. So <laughs> right now, it's you, you know, pretty much know that it's going up, but you can run your numbers based on that. Can you believe it's still going up? People said hey, it's going to go down, and it goes up, and it's going to go down, and it goes up even more, and keeps going up even more. Right. It's yeah. Cra it's crazy how the market has been, right? It it is crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable how crazy the market is right now. It just keeps going up and up. And I think it's going to stay like that for a little bit. It's going to stabilize pretty soon, but you just have to keep riding that wave. Did you think that market would keep going up even before COVID and even during COVID? Did you think the market would keep going up? Well, I think when COVID hits, okay. everybody panicked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we really weren't buying any houses. Uh, it was just very tough because we didn't know what was going on. Um, but then just like, people kind of forgot about COVID and then just the market started going up like crazy. And that's, you know, when everybody jumped in, uh, but <laughs> it's just crazy to, because nobody knows what's going on at this moment. Yeah. And I think everyone jumps in like when it's already started, the momentum started going. Now they want to jump in like, Hey, what happened like six months ago when we said we should jump in now, you know, even then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's and one of those things where you can't, I mean, you talk to people and usually no one times this, the market, exactly i think yeah. it's always a good time to buy um in my opinion i mean especially if you're a home owner because mm -hmm. you're going to keep that thing for five to ten years and you're usually never going to lose money in, in that time span yeah so, usually yeah even the last 15 years like yeah. you usually wouldn't have lost money you usually at least break even if you overpay it anyways exactly if you bought it under you made money and hopefully you had more time to fix yeah. it up but even the last year, a lot of people make good money in the last good. year alone, right? I always tell people that because there are a lot of people I hear right now where they say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm on the fence. I'm gonna wait for it to cool off." I'm like, just jump in. I mean, yeah. it's always a good time to buy. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, what's gonna cause? Exactly. And I, I ask them, what's gonna cause the effect to go down that quickly? Wait, yeah. what, what do you predict? How are you forecasting this? Who's telling you that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they call you back a year later. Wait, I should have bought last year. Huh? I should have bought. Right. <laughs> bought. Like, exactly. Yeah. The year before that, you should have bought. You should have bought. Yep. You should have bought. Yep. You know. And like, yep. people look for dips too, but sometimes they look for such a far dip. Like, if you only bought it right now, even if you're looking for thirty, fifty, hundred thousand dollar dip, 
the chances going up way higher than 100, it will be way more significant than dropping 100, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what's going to cause that? Like, Especially the world's getting smarter, right? Yeah. Yeah. The people, the, the big buyers that we see here in this market, they never stop buying. No. Yeah. Uh, and the people that you see that they're waiting, they just wait forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, like you said, it just keeps going up. Yeah. They probably do like one project a year trying to think, you know, oh, it's going to go down, it's going to go up. But, Big buyers here in this market or every market, they they just never stop buying. Right. Exactly. We, especially when you look at institutional buyers right now, and they're buying th the homes by the thousands right now, mm -hmm. and they have the capital to, to do it. But if you know they're buying homes by the thousands, you know there's going to be money to be made because they probably did all the research saying that hey, the, there's really limited inventory across the country, right? Yeah. And there's not enough built new builds anyways. So if you buy all the inventory now at a certain price point and you hold it for the next five ten years, you're going to make it because there's such limited supply that the demand is great right now, especially for homeowners with COVID. Everyone wants more space, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. There's always going to be buyers in every market. <laughs> exactly. And as long as you don't overpay like crazy, like we've seen some houses here in San Francisco. Hey, listing price is uh, 1.2, for example. Okay. I'll just bid 2.2. I'm like a million over. <laughs> How do you even justify that? Like, or even yeah. 2.1 listing sold for 3.2. That's wow. crazy. I was like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, did the agent price too low? Is a buyer crazy? You know? Yeah, as long as you're putting a good product out there in the market, yeah. uh, you're, you know, you rehab it right. You don't overdo it, but you don't underdo it either. As long as you're putting a good product on the market, it should sell pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, how is the market in Los Angeles right now, too? It's. I think it's like everywhere else. It's just crazy right now. You have, you know, you have fixers in the market selling for retail prices, people overpaying for properties all over. Um, so the, it's it's pretty tough. It's it's tough to find deals in this market right now. But they're out there. They're definitely out there. People that say, "Oh, I can't find any good deals." We even sometimes find deals on the MLS. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there's deals to be had. I mean, they're they're maybe fewer and far between, but. They're, they're there. Yeah. You just got to know yeah. where to look. There's just people. It's funny when people say, oh, there's there's no deals right now. It's because you're not looking in the right places, right? Because they're out there and there is always going to be deals. Exactly. There's a there's a lot of deals to be found. You're right. It's like, okay, well, it's a needle in a haystack. You got to spend the time and effort and find that deal. There is deals to be made even on the market because on the market, you can find properties that have been sitting too long, overpriced, and you can negotiate. If You don't, you don't know if you don't try, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we buy properties on the MLS sometimes. That you know, as soon as we see over thirty days on the market, we know that that property's been sitting there because it's probably overpriced. They're they're wanting to sell. They're tired of you know just waiting. So those properties that are sitting on the market for more than thirty days, you can probably it's probably a deal if you get it for lower. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta ask. You gotta try and keep pushing because you you never know. Like even for us, we got some really good deals, and it was online. And it's like okay, well bad marketing bad timing overpriced yeah. it doesn't look good but in person it looks great and people don't yeah. realize it yeah. like Whoa, also you just also i think following up is key because sometimes we we get to a property and we tell them the ballpark number that we would need to be at and they're like oh don't even think about submitting an offer on these you're too low we have offers 200 over asking mm -hmm. but we just keep it there and in a month or two, we follow up, hey, how's it going? And they're like, oh, that escrow actually failed. We've been through three different buyers and they haven't performed. And that's when they come to us. They're like, oh, are you still interested in the, that property? So even, even if you're way lower, you just have to 
keep it there and follow up in a month or two because things happen, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's all about the follow-up. And I see that too, like really good top producers, uh, they follow up a lot, like a lot, right? And then other agents, oh, I can't buy it. I tried. Uh, they don't want my deal or offer or whatever, right? And then they, that's, they move on. But yeah. then the ones who constantly follow up and just ask, and hey, I'm here if it makes sense for you. When it makes sense, call me. If not, that's okay, right? Yeah, so exactly. You build a lot of relationships that way too. And especially that is a really good point. When you build that relationship with those agents and they know they have another property coming to market and it doesn't rightly fit the market, they'll call you first because you right. built the relationship with them. Yeah, and that's key. I think that's probably where 80% of our business comes from. Yep. It's just relationships mm -hmm. that we have with other agents. Yep. Um, that, you know, we when they bring a lead, we say that we, we do what we say we're going to do. We perform, mm -hmm. and we're just a great buyer on their mind. So every time they get a lead, uh, they're just going to bring it to us first before, before putting it on the market. Exactly. And you think about that too, scalability. Like what happens is now you're not doing like B2C business to consumer. You're doing B2B with another agent. That agent, if you have 10 agents, each of them bringing you one deal a month, you get 10, 10 leads a month. That's to go it. through. You That's got 100 it. after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's great for them because they have the opportunity to double end the deal, mm -hmm. possibly even get the real listing once the property is rehabbed, you know? Yeah. So they, they can make three commissions just from one deal. I like, I like that too, because because when you do that too, especially for you guys, even if you're agents and you're buyers too, if I'm bringing you a deal and I know that you're going to be a buyer too, and then later when you fix and flip it, you're going to be a seller. I can be the listing agent too. Mm -hmm. I may be able to pick up another buyer, three to four transactions for that one property. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bring you all the deals then. That's going to present everything that makes sense for you guys and you're yeah. going to get the opportunity yeah. to choose. And I work with these sellers to say, hey, this makes sense. Here's the options for you. Mm -hmm. And if it makes sense for Property Brothers to buy it, I probably skipped it by it then you know perfect right and yeah as long as the numbers make sense you know like when when even when we're buying wholesale deals even if the fee is 100 grand we don't care like if, if the numbers make sense you shouldn't care what the other party's making um exactly. and that goes with agents as well you know i don't i wouldn't care paying an agent four percent a commission on that property if the numbers make sense you know yeah, exactly. If they bring good deals to you too. And I see that too. Even some people in our area, like even though they're like top producers and like they're busy, they're like always reminding you that they're there. They're always reminding you, hey, if you have an op uh, something come up, let us know because we are cash buyers too, right? So it's kind of nice. And then you see others out there just call you once a year or something. Hey, you have anything? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Let's call you next year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing too. That you're building the relationships, you're keeping it with them and constantly in our mind, then that's kind of cool. So that way we say, okay, yeah, I just thought of someone today, right? Exactly. You gotta yeah. stay on their mind. Nice. So lately, has there been an increase in cash deals, especially in your areas? Have you seen more cash offers for listings on market or even for uh, fix and flips? Have more cash been out? Yeah. I lost you guys for a second. Go ahead. Okay, there you go. You. Sure you. Yeah, I hear you now. Okay. Oh, sorry, you guys stuck? Are we okay, up? there you go. Okay, okay cool. Yeah, we're good. So, yeah, so uh, going back, I was just asking you about how has the cash yields been in your market? Like for properties on market, properties off market? Okay. 
<laughs> Weird. Okay, it's one of our Wi-Fi's, right? Yeah, it might yeah. be. It might be ours. Um, okay. Can you can can you hear us now? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, just because they, they want to come in non-contingent with uh, you know no loan in place to kind of get their offer accepted. So um, I'm kind of seeing that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, a lot of retail buyers in general are coming in with cash, which that's what makes this market so crazy in LA because people here, you know, just have the money to buy a house, rehab cash. So. We're not only competing against other investors, but we're also competing against retail buyers that are putting offers way higher than we, mm -hmm. we can pay. But it's all about bringing that value. Isn't it crazy right now? Like even for our market, like sometimes we get like as listings, we get like sometimes 18 offers and then you see the offers like 100% or 95% is all um, non-contingent or yep. no loans and everything. And then the price is so high. I'm like, okay, that's kind of scary. Too. It's good and scary because one is, is it going to get appraised? It should appraise, but the appraisers nowadays are trying to catch up to the market. They're, they look at historic data, not current data, right? Today's data. Yeah. And it's yeah. tough for them to justify, hey, the house last month sold for 200,000 less. How come your house is 200,000 more for the same house, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one I think that's one of the challenges in this market for retail buyers is just getting those houses to appraise. Getting the appraisal is probably the toughest. After they submit that that 60k over yeah. list, you know. <laughs> and even for us, like we have houses because for example, in in our market some areas the agents known in the market actually list the property lower. Uh, just to create a lot of attraction, but that kind yeah, of hurts, yeah, it hurts yeah. the industry a little bit because now we all have to put lower just because we have to compete against the same kind of house. But then houses go like 700 over asking and people are like frustrated by that. It's like, why is it 700 over asking? Well, if I price it normal to transparent pricing, you're not going to buy it because you think I want somehow more than that. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. So frustrating too for everyone, for agents and for sellers and buyers. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah we see we see different strategies out there people that just list it way lower just to create that you know just to be in yeah just to be in everybody's eyes yeah or people that just list it way higher because they know that they're gonna sell it higher but then those are the ones that go longer on the market usually yeah and you see some of them too like even when you put a, a transparent price it sits long but they'll wait and they'll wait and they'll wait and they'll still sell it but it just like that frustration time of waiting for so long when they could have done it earlier yeah, they'll yeah. sell it. Yeah, they'll sell it, but it just takes a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. So, like lately, like what was one of the last flips you guys did? How did that numbers turn out for you guys? Uh, so I think the last one we did in Pasadena. Yeah. In Kenilworth. Mm -hmm. So that one, that one was interesting because that one we actually bought on the market, and it was a property. It was pro. It was a private property that had been sitting on the market for a while because it had tenant issues. Mm -hmm. um, everybody that submitted an offer on it, they submitted it as soon as it went on the market and they just couldn't sell it because, you know, there were, there were squatters in there. So nobody wanted to buy with the tenants. And the property just sat on the market for like, I think 50 or 60 days. And they were finally able to get rid of the tenants. And, you know, with our follow-ups, we just kept following up with the agents, seeing if that, if they solved the, the squatter issues and by day 60 or 50 or 60 on the market they told us hey we actually got rid of the tenant now 
um, we're good to sell it, vacant, and that's when we came in. And since they just wanted to get rid of it because it took so long, they they were just able to take a lower number for us. Nice. And one thing you mentioned too is that you follow follow up during this time period. You know, as like as listing agents, we're so busy with so many listings, and it's hard to always keep track of every single person who is interested in your property. And sometimes yeah. you're busy. Do you follow up with every single person to see where they're at, and if they're still interested, even 60, 90 days later? If you do, that's even better as an agent to do it. But for you guys, as buyers, investors, if you follow up, you're constantly reminding them that you're there, you're interested, if it makes sense. So that's yeah. nice because most buyers or agents drop out at some point. They just okay well i'll just move on again yeah because they should tell tell you oh i'll let you know once this property is going to be able to be delivered vacant yep but they're going to forget everybody that was interested so they're not going to yeah. follow up with you you can't expect them to just come back three months later oh are you still interested so yeah it's on our end the responsibility to follow up to see if they actually got got it resolved yeah. Good. And here, here's why I would say I say that's a good point because even as agents, to be fair to all agents, like one of my listings, I had 185 people groups, not people, 185 groups come in in one week. Do you think I can keep track of all 185? I try really hard to. I put everything down. Right. I get, but if you don't give me your information, I won't be able to follow up with you. But I knew you were there. But if yeah. you were the agent or the buyer, constantly reminding me that hey, at some point I'm interested, right? Yeah. There's right. there's just no way. And also, there's you know people put a put an offer on a property. You know if they don't hear back in two weeks or three they just you know they probably even got another property so they're not interested anymore in that one um so that's also why but we even even if we know that we have our pipeline full we just keep following up because we might just you know do another strategy with that property if we can get it at a good price mm -hmm. exactly it's all about the follow-up yeah. so Let's talk about this too. You know, closing on your home quickly with cash offers, right? So let's talk about this. As a seller, what's uh, some ways that I can prevent a quick sale from happening? Like, for example, like what obstacles would a seller need to get rid of for you to buy a, a property quickly? Um, uh, like he touched on, if, if they have a tenant in there, yeah. say they own it out of state and it's a rental, we typically, in this market, probably the same in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. the, the rent rights here are, are are pretty pretty strict so if we're we typically just flip these so we don't want to hold them um so we typically won't buy anything with a tenant in place so that would be a, a roadblock to us for like a quick close yeah yeah also yeah i would think you know when when there's a lot of family members involved in the decision uh that's usually something that you know it's just gonna take a long time because everybody has to agree to it so when for example they inherited that property and there's two or more than two family members involved and they have to agree on a price and the terms it just makes the decision a whole different you know whole different game so it's a lot harder in that sense um i would say just like Properties on like busy streets are usually you know just kind of hard to buy because you know you know they're gonna you, it's gonna take longer to sell them after they're flipped. Um, what else I would say I think uh, sometimes it might be probate where it's got you know the courts involved. So yeah. there's a set court date, so we just can't close. Um, yeah, there could be liens that are owed yeah. on the property. Yeah, when there's elderly people involved, also um, you know. They have to find a senior facility to move on, or, or, or they have a lot of stuff in the house, and they have to, 
you know, get family members to help sort through the stuff because they don't just want us to, they don't just want us to get the house with all their stuff in there, um, which we would, but they don't just, just don't want to. So when there's elderly people involved, it's a little harder also to, to do that quick sell. Yeah. Um, but I think those are the main factors. Usually there is, there is not many, I would say, because if the property has liens and all that, that, that just gets resolved in escrow. So right. that wouldn't be an issue. Nice. And let's talk about that too. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, for example, for tenants wise, if you're an owner and you can help, you know, work ways to get the tenant out if they're not paying rent, for example, COVID issues, things like that, and they're not paying and your area allows you to do that, then that's something to focus on quickly. I try to get that resolved sooner than later. So that way, you know, any cash buyer can come in, any retail buyer can come in and buy the property because most buyers don't want to deal with the headache, right? I don't want to buy into headache as much yeah, as I can. Right. That's part of it too. If you're a hoarder, then it's going to be tough too, because there's a lot of work to get out. And then a lot of things you can't see behind the scenes if they're hoarding in the house, right? Exactly. Squatters are hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. Probates can be timing. And, and then the issue with families, like I see one property, they had nine different groups of family members. Like you guys yeah. need to resolve that first before you guys yeah. even talk about selling it. Because yeah. if you guys, nine groups cannot work it out, what's what's the point yeah yeah <laughs> those, are, those are really tough then it does you know. are, yeah those are really tough because you're you're dealing with a lot of emotions usually so yeah you, you just be kind of become their counselor and everybody's telling different things so they it's it's usually pretty hard and with the tenant situation we usually um try to give them the option to let us negotiate with a tenant what mm -hmm. they call cash for keys Nice. Uh, we won't we won't close on the property with a tenant inside but we'll we'll negotiate the cash for keys get them out we'll pay for it and then we'll close on the property oh that's a good option to note too that you guys can help them uh, negotiate it work with the right people to do it and then upon closing you know cash for keys for for them so you get the house for you as a buyer to get it delivered vacant exactly right. yeah that's good too because you're helping them resolve it because most some, some sellers might not have the experience they might not want to do it they might feel bad or they don't have the money to do it or yeah. you know know who to use to do it properly yeah usually they don't even know how to start yeah because so, most are small landlords so this is their first time renting to someone maybe the second time but they don't exactly. rent hundreds of homes right yeah a lot of right. them don't even know that that's an option they just think oh i'm just gonna try to evict them but that takes that could take months or even a year here in la especially yeah. right now. So that's an option that we always provide as well. Yeah. And I think the education piece of it to helping educate sellers and buyers on uh, these kinds of issues really helps because, you know, like there's not that much educational pieces out there. Not every agent knows or not every seller no. or buyer knows, or yeah. some, you know, so it's the more you know transparency, the option, the more options you can give them, the more things they can learn about. And then if they feel more comfortable working with you because yeah. you're, you're giving them the opportunity exactly. to figure out their solution and their goals. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. So when you guys are flipping homes, do you guys ever run into any major issues? And then, um, you know, like how do you resolve those things? All the time. I think a funny story would be uh, the rat situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can oh, think man. of it, it usually comes up and things you can never think of. But it's very rare that you don't have some some big issue come up. Yeah. Uh, one, one property we're doing, uh, it's something that we've never experienced before. But when we started, you know, taking down walls and all that stuff, just millions of rats yeah. started coming out. Mm -hmm. And it was an attached single family. So those rats were going to the homes next to us. 
Um, so that's something that we've never experienced before. And, and you know, it's something that we definitely learn <laughs> to look for yeah. for those kind of things that would tell us, oh, there's actually rats on this property. Uh, but they were all they were all between the walls, so we couldn't see them when we walked that property at first. Um, so that was that was an interesting one for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you you run through. You can kind of tell most of the time what you're gonna face, but things like that you just you just can't can't expect. But that's how that's why you run your numbers a little conservative to account for those things that always something comes up. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a good um, good number system and really know your numbers and with contractors and all the workers. And yeah, for, there's always something unexpected. And it's kind of cool too that every property you, you touch, you learn a lot from each one and you keep improving your systems, your processes, your people and figure out different things. Because at every house, no matter what, even if they're same, they're not exactly the same, right? Yeah. You, you gain that experience and you, you'll see things differently now too, especially when you walk into homes, you see so many things that you learned over time that right. you notice these things. And it's kind of cool when you talk to buyers and other investors and they see you being so experienced because you've done so many projects that you can see, hey, here's all these things you should look at. If you're going to remove this, this, and this structurally, you got to think about this options and here's the cause and effect to that. But make sure you talk to your structural engineer, your contractor, but here's things from my experience that I see now. Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely helps doing so many projects. You just, like you said, you just learn from every house that you do. So it's just a learning process that you can, you can't be scared coming in because you know that at the end of the day, if you if you run your numbers right, um, you're gonna have some room to 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 work with those situations. Nice. You know, for um for us agents out there and investors, how do we negotiate? You know, quick cash deals and like why does that work like what tips do you have for people if they want to do their own cash offers yeah i think you mean for agents uh representing a buyer um yeah it can be a buyer it can be for themselves like you know what uh tips can they use to really get a get a good deal on buying a property yeah. i think the main thing is explaining the benefits of a cash offer versus uh, just a regular retail buyer coming in with a little bit of higher price but it just representing those pros and cons. With a cash offer, you usually don't pay commissions, you usually don't pay closing costs. So what you offer is what you get pretty much. Um, you know, we're gonna pay for all the closing costs. Also, you don't get people coming in your house, uh, open houses, multiple buyers, um, analyzing every offer, making sure they're, they're legit buyers, they have the funds to close. So I would say that just explaining the benefits of a cash offer, it's huge for a seller because they think that, oh, it's a cash offer, it's the same. Uh, it's just cash, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's not really, you know, it, it might come in a little lower, but it's just trying to explain those benefits to the seller. It's going to be huge for, for getting the deal done. And I think one thing you talked about here too is like when you explain so when people explain something and I, if I tell you everything it doesn't it's not as good as if I showed you everything meaning the fact if you actually had it like printed out on marketing material whatever information saying here's the breakdowns of the options I can provide you as a cash buyer here's the here's what's going to happen here's the pricing I'm going to offer here's all the terms here's how it's different from a retail offer yeah. and here's why it might make sense for you and then for me it's just a numbers game too now okay how many people do I need to talk to and how many people are actually looking for cash offers and i know i need to go 
to talk to so many people to get a cash offer. But if I know my numbers, then I can say, hey, this makes sense. And here's who I'm going to run into. And then as a, as a cash offer investor, I can say, well, I know these properties are most likely going to be retail based on the current condition. These are going to be probably cash offers. So let me go work on these cash offer people, right? Exactly. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think you talked about clarity in sense of like, by you guys providing all the information transparently, they, it gives them a good understanding and makes them help them make an educated decision so that they can say, yes, actually that makes sense for me. That's my goal. I want to be out tomorrow. Uh, I don't want the house no more. I don't even live there. Uh, yeah, take yeah. it over. Right. right. Yeah. I think that's key being just transparent through, through the whole process and just also explaining the next steps because they, Usually people are scared of making decisions because they don't know what to expect. Uh, but when you can lay a very clear path ahead of them, they can kind of see where they're going. Uh, they're most likely to make a decision quicker. Yeah, I agree. I think I sometimes I hear like, okay, if you're going to tell me a hundred things, you know, most people might not remember all hundred things and they feel overwhelmed by the whole process of it. But if you clearly explained it, documented it, laid it out for them, here's exactly step-by-step step everything I'm going to do, like a Ikea manual, right? It's so clear that you can just do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Then it makes sense. Okay. The numbers work for me. I'm out of here. Yep. That's exactly. Correct. Nice. Okay. So like, in terms of like, you know, Los Angeles right now, what do you think is going to happen in the next year? You know, how do you think the market is for fix and flips? How do you think the market is for re retail sales? I think it's just for the next year, I think it's just going to keep being strong. Uh, we can here we see, since we just analyze so many properties and we're involved in it every single day, we kind of saw a little, a little bit of a slowdown a couple months ago. But then everything has started to pick up again a little bit. But I, th I think in the next year, it's just going to be the same game of slowing down a little bit for a few months, but not really then other months just picking up. But it's going to remain strong. It's, the, the market's going to remain strong as long as those interest rates are low. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah, agree more. You think it's going to stay hot, right? Yeah. And I think so, too, because really, like, you look at this way. There is really a limited amount of supply of properties still, and there's also a limited supply of contractors and workers, and there's not enough time in a day, and all the materials, too, are so yeah. backlogged that the demand for supplies are so huge that you know and you see it. When I go to Home Depot now, I go there a lot. Uh, you see, like, the whole parking lot full out the door, and people are buying like crazy. So you know there's pent-up demand, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big issue for investors right now, just – trying to find good contractors, trying to find materials, and, you know, at a good price because everything is right now is so, so expensive. The sure. rehabs right now, what we used to estimate thousand square foot house for 50,000 standard rehab mm -hmm. right now is more like 70,000. It's crazy how, how fast that goes up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially with all the material costs during COVID time, how it went up like four to 10 times more for same materials. Like yeah. that, that hurt, right? Yeah, and that's really that. That's why you have to to update your spreadsheets and all that when you're running numbers to make sure that you, you know how much that rehab is going to cost. Yeah, whatever you think of it, add another 25 to 30 percent on top, just yep. in case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it actually does go up that much sometimes because it once you start touching the walls, you're like, oh, okay, I got to do this, this, and this now on top of yep. it. It does. It does. It yeah. Does. So one cool thing to think about though, too, is if you see that much demand at Home Depot and supplies and the limited materials, what happens is you see all these houses are getting, you know, remodeled, getting built up, and they're going to take time to get 
finished. But that means too, there's limited supply out there too, because everyone's fixing and flipping and more people are wanting to be in the market. And a lot of buyers out there, they're tired. They don't want to buy a house and do all the work. They want to buy a house that's already done. So exactly. especially for now, for us, for you, by doing, by making all the houses ready and moving, you know, being able to move in right away, people are going to pay more for that too, because they don't want to deal with the, all this. Who wants to deal with contractors delaying everything, permitting, uh, material costs, material timing, right? Yeah. Right. And usually, usually when homeowners want to do repairs on their house, that contractor is going to charge twice as much uh, that what's going to charge an investor. Mm -hmm. uh, because we know we know who to work with we know where to find the good contractors uh, but also trying to stay do the project in and stay on budget but for retail buyers and homeowners they use a renovation that for us would cost twenty thousand for for a home buyer it would cost like double yeah just because they don't know where to look because they, they they also know too when they talk to an investor investor knows exactly what he wants to do he has a punch list for everything you want to do when you talk to a homeowner what do you want me to do i just want to change this this and this but you don't know behind the scenes here's all the work behind that yeah yeah exactly. and all, here's all the material costs here's all the timing here's all the products who's going to shop for it you know you're asking the project manager shop it for you and then do everything and try to save you money at the same time it's tough exactly yeah that's but right investors have the punch list here you go here's everything i want give me bid it out and let's get it done Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. So I try to teach my clients that too. I try to teach my buyers like, Hey, you want to do this project? I'll, I'll give you the crew, but we got to build a super good punch list of everything you want in priority order. And then take a look at the timing and the pricing to see what makes sense. Yeah. You, you, you have to provide the scope of work, not, not let them provide the scope of work for you. Yeah. Cause when they provide it, it's really, it can be like this, but in reality it's actually like this. Cause I don't tell you until I start seeing, Oh yeah, I want to do this. this, and this. That's easy. Right? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the stuff yeah. always going to come up. So you got to keep adding to that scope of work, but you got to be detailed. Yeah. That's the hard part too, because as a, as a buyer, first time buyer, you might not know what you need, right? To be fair, yeah. you don't might not know. You just exactly. want to change everything. Yeah. But yeah, so it's just a lack of knowledge, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's where experienced agent and experienced investor comes in too, because as experienced people who've done a lot of this, you can see it all up front. You can say, hey, based on based on changing a bathroom, you gotta do all these things behind the scenes too, on top of all the roughing up, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then they'll start seeing that. Okay, oh, I didn't know that, right? That's why it costs twenty five thousand dollars for a bathroom. Like twenty five thousand dollars for a bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah, go buy a house true. somewhere else in another right. small yeah, state. Yeah, unless you're building a house in Beverly Hills, you shouldn't spend twenty five thousand on a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> How much does your bathroom cost over there? I would say like five, six thousand. Yeah, it just depends on the house. Low end yeah. five, like high end ten. Ten more than yeah, yeah. Starting in San Francisco is fifteen thousand. Starting fifteen to twenty-five, so five thousand for the vanity plumbing, vanity five thousand for the toilet, five thousand for the bathtub. Yeah, I mean, depends on the because if we're doing a house here in Compton, we we do a bathroom for five thousand. Yeah, but if we're flipping a house over a million, that's yeah. gonna be more than like ten, maybe fifteen, right? Depending on the size. Yeah. yeah, but it's still the same five by eight, right? So technically it should be the same price, but at the same time, yeah, exactly. you know, it takes about seven days to do all the work for one yeah, person yeah. in there, right? Two people. Exactly. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. Can't fit five guys in a bathroom, so <laughs> it takes time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you see that too. But yeah, I'm like surprised because I know before back in like uh, uh, 08, 09, it's only about five, seven thousand. But nowadays yeah. it's been fifteen to twenty-five, you know. Yeah, some, one guy said he did bathroom for a hundred thousand. Like, what are you putting in there? Gold for a hundred thousand dollars for a bathroom? That's, like, yeah, maybe. That's, yeah. that's a five by eight. Is, are you crazy? <laughs> you I don't even know how you justify 
exactly okay so um we're about to wrap up the show real quick but um any last thoughts you think of how do we help um people make you know we get quick closes how do we um see the market um for next year like how do we do more deals with you guys too i think uh, a wrap-up thought would be uh just kind of always try to provide value not, not not trying to think on oh i need to make money on this because if you provide value the money's just kind of come by itself so when you when you talk to a seller when you talk to an agent uh it doesn't matter who you're talking to you just have to provide that value and, and the money's just kind of come to you uh so i think that's very important in this market and in regards to to the market trends um you just have to keep riding that wave. I think the market's going to remain strong uh, in the next year or maybe year and a half. Uh, but you always have to just be careful on the numbers. Uh, make sure that you're buying in good areas and just try to try to stay conservative in your numbers and don't buy just to buy just to buy a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't feel rushed to buy a deal just because hey, it's, it's already a tw in a 2021. I need to get a deal in. Don't, don't rush it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Don't rush it. Yeah, the right deal yeah. comes in when you're when you're ready. You'll find the right deal. Exactly. Um, I would say the same as Isaiah. Like like provide value to to the people that that you work with. Uh, you know uh, your agents you work with. If you're dealing with directly with the homeowner, um, providing that value and not just thinking of dollar signs is is what's going to bring you uh, you know profitability and. Doing the follow-ups, like you touched on, that's a huge one. You know, a lot of people they'll submit an offer, they get it rejected, and then to them that deal is dead. Um, but to me, even if they're in escrow, I'm still following up with those people because that deal might fall through. So, uh, doing the follow-up, we call it tracking. Um, and then, the, as far as the market, I just see it. You know, it might not be as crazy as this past year was, but at least in California, I don't see it slowing down uh, at all. So. Um, you know, just jump in like, a, just, but do your due diligence. Nice. I, I can agree more with you guys. I think you're right. Like it's really building upon that makes you really successful. And like you guys, you're building relationships with people, with agents and helping everyone and providing that value makes you really want to work together to try to put something together. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. One yeah. last question too. I want to ask you guys too, like in terms of scaling your business and um, do you think social media has been helping websites been helping creating lead funnels? You know? Yeah, I think I think the website has been pretty huge for us uh, to build that presence online, uh, so that when you when you talk to those clients, when you talk to agents, they are gonna look you up to see who you are. So just having a presence online that they can go back and see who you really are, uh, have your bio on your website, kind of just kind of have a background. Pretty much your resume is what's online about you. So I think that's been really big for us um, in the past two years. Uh, but also in terms of scaling your business, uh, you just have to build relationships pretty much. It's just about meeting people. I know number one complaint is I don't have enough time in a day, but you know, that's where scalability comes in. Like having a website, having video, having content, having a ways to, for people to reach out to you, having lead funnels makes it easier to create inbound marketing versus outbound marketing. And that's the way to scale your business as well. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Nice. Thank you guys so much for being on our show today. Um, how do people reach out to you and learn more and work with you guys? Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us, you can go to our website. Um, if you want to get in touch with us directly, I would say you can go to our Instagram or Facebook.
uh, property scape on all the platforms. So that's, I would say, the easiest way to get in touch with us. Nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. So everyone out there, be sure to check out Isaiah and Billy at Property Escape, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Have a great day. Yeah, have Thanks, a good one. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it.